I wanted to help leaders be better leaders, hold people accountable with compassion and clarity. I want to be a better version of the HR department. Welcome to Venture Visionaries. I'm your host, Thomas Agema. Today's episode is about the intersection of creativity and deep strategic planning and the beauty that comes out when you blend these two. And I want to start with a story that captures this blend perfectly. My first experience at Burning Man. Now, Burning Man is something that lives famously or infamously, depending on who you ask, very much in our zeitgeist. Being featured on everything from the TV show Silicon Valley to the animated series The Simpsons. But the real thing is a little different than what you'll see out there. And I'll never forget my very first time coming in deeply excited and probably a little bit scared. I'd talked to as many people as I could beforehand and done all my research, but nothing could have prepared me for the feeling of elation where every turn was a discovery. From the first welcome ceremony that they did for newcomers right there in the Playa Dust, to being invited to experience the recreated Bourbon Street, bustling with bars and music right there in the desert. There were these magnificent art installations set against the desert sunsets that you could just explore ad infinitum. And there was a special temple set up for people to go and reflect, particular process the grief of those they had lost. Far from just this superficial party in the desert, I found at Burning Man a place where people went to deeply receive and also really generously give. Because of course, that was the other part of Burning Man. It wasn't just a realm of creative abundance. Of course, that was the other side of Burning Man. It wasn't just this realm of creative abandon. All of that creativity was only supported by a deep commitment to principles like leaving no trace and radical generosity. And even that by a deep systems infrastructure to make a little neighborhood or really city run. Everything from security and transportation and plumbing with scores of people fretting all the tiny details to make sure that everybody was able to have the experience of their dreams. And it was there that I really first saw the irony that in order to experience radical freedom, you often need some really radical order. And when I think about the blend of those two things, freedom and honor, my guest today, Katrina Steinmetz, comes to mind. Katrina, or Kat, as her friends call her, is a powerhouse in the world of HR. She's currently an early-stage investor with Initialized Capital, focused on the future of work, SaaS enterprise software, and serving as an advisor and coach to founders and entrepreneurs. She's spent 15-plus years in HR executive roles at places like Box, Stitch Fix, and yes, you guessed it, the Burning Man Project, guiding HR and talent development teams through hypergrowth, IPOs, global scaling, and M&A. She currently serves on the boards of Torch, Fun Country, and Ava. And of course, because we're talking about creativity here, she's also a long-term creative artist and musician. In our conversation, Kat's going to open up about her journey. From her inspiring work at Burning Man, where she balanced creative freedom with organizational structure, to her current role as an investor at Initialized Capital, where she's investing in the future of work. 
We'll dive into topics like the transformative power of leadership development, the importance of diversity in early stage startups, and the unique challenges of building a successful startup, and how she spots the kind of leaders she's willing to bet on to do so. So join us as we unravel Kat's unique perspective on leadership, HR, and the art of building communities, both in the desert of Burning Man and the boardrooms of Silicon Valley. Let's go. You've kind of evolved yourself from this HR executive to kind of startup advisor and now early stage investor. If we kind of pull all the way back, were there any elements of your childhood that kind of pointed to the variation or the kinds of things that you've been attracted to in your career? And if so, what were they? Yeah, I mean, I had, you know, hippie parents. So I had very, you know, progressive kind of creative mm-hmm. upbringing. They came from more traditional backgrounds. So certainly those things came through, but they really wanted to branch out and they moved from Florida to Seattle and the West Coast and wanted to be where there was lots of progressive thinking happening and mm-hmm. diversity and inclusiveness and community. So mm-hmm. I think for me, you know, what does come through is is a lot of those things, like building community, being very open and curious about Mm. what's possible, looking at things from, you know, a different lens. What's the possibility around this? How could something be done in a different way? And really like including people along the way. So Mm. I think, you know, I'm definitely an extrovert and a people person. I get very energized by interacting with people. And so, you know, and by creative things, by doing very transformative sort of creative things with humans. You know, I went to some alternative schools growing up. I was part of an improv troupe when I was in middle school. And I like toured around with that around the state and did improv. Wow. It was called junk food drama. (laughs) Yeah, I still have my t-shirt somewhere in some box. Yeah, you know, so little things like that. And, you know, I went to kind of an arts high school. It was a public Mm. school in Madison, Wisconsin. I moved from the West Coast, then to the Midwest. My dad remarried. So that was interesting going to the Midwest, but a very progressive town in Madison. But I went to, you know, kind of an artsy public high school where a lot of like professors of UW-Madison like sent their kids and stuff like that. I had a lot of really, really amazing art programs and I was very into that. So I was doing a lot of painting and art history and photography and you know, some like singing and things like that. So I think it just came very naturally to me to think that you can weave all of those things together in some Mm. way, because they kind of were that way. Mm. And that really fits me. I'd recently learned of the term multi-potentialite. Someone told me that like last year. Uh uh I was just like, I I didn't know that existed. And I wish I did when I was younger, right? Because I used to worry a little that I'm not like, I don't do it the way everybody else does. And I don't have this one thing I want to do. I want to do a lot of things. Yeah. Um, And is that weird and not supported, you know? And so I feel like that's what really informed a lot of the roots of how I just think about things. How did this like creative art school child of hippies singer find her calling in talent and HR? Such a great question. I tend to have contrarian views around like 
how you can do things, right? So mm. the approach of something. Um, and you're so right. And, and in some ways, you're kind of capturing two very strong parts of me, which is that mm. I have this very creative, high possibility, curiosity, pushing boundaries kind of a place. But I also have a very strong, like, I love structure and I like, mm. I, I think it's freeing. And I'll talk more about that later. I think I've seen when these types of things that are so fundamental at a company or an organization as the people function, when it's done poorly, how terrible it is for that mm. organization. That mm. company. And I experienced some of that very early on in my career. I was sexually harassed in a job by my boss's boss, who is a CTO. Oh, yeah. I experienced that being a terrible process, like the HR department being really awful. And, you know, that there was just not even an understanding of like how that should be done differently. Yeah. That really inspired me. I wanted to help leaders be better leaders because I really feel like that leader truly did not understand he was actually doing something really wrong. Mm. Like because he had not had any, he was so entitled. He was so in this container and no one was teaching him anything different. And then the mm. way that the process, you know, I wouldn't even have thought to go to that HR team because it would have been awful, right? And it was very mm. that. So I got inspired to be like, I want to be a better version of the HR department, right? Where yeah. someone can feel like they're having advocacy, but that I can balance helping the company and that I can train and develop leaders to be more aware, right? And more emotionally mm. intelligent at how they're approaching their leadership. So I think yeah. that just inspired me very early on, you know, to be like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. And I and I love people. So I think I just love developing people. I love developing mm-hmm. myself. I would say that's probably first mm-hmm. and foremost is that I have a very deep commitment to my own personal growth and transformation. Like, mm-hmm. And that leads mm-hmm. everything I do. So the learning and the development of myself, I wouldn't hold anyone to anything I wouldn't hold myself to. I hold myself to a very high standard and I want to mm-hmm. know that I'm also doing that. Helping people develop, helping people reach their like fullest potential is just so glorious for me. There's this term called compersion, where you feel joy for someone else's success, joy, happiness, whatever term you want to say in that positive light. And I just, I'm very off the scale on that. Like I Mm. I love feeling joy for other people's success and joy. Mm. It's just very, very, very satisfying to me. You mentioned multiple times here this desire to do things differently. What is an innovative HR strategy you're most proud of implementing? I mean, I think, you know, when I went to Burning Man, it was very different how, again, doing things differently there than I did at Sitchfix. But mm-hmm. yeah, there was things that I could threads right through the two of like this idea, again, that people can have like a career best here. And like, what mm-hmm. would a career, what would a peak experience in your career look like? What are the things that are not going well here that we can like shift our thinking about and do it differently so mm. that it actually does do people can do well here flourish it's hard to straddle both of those but you know at burning man it was really like bringing structure you know mm. bringing this ability to say like oh we're very like anti corporate right anti the yeah. And when I was there early, before they were any kind of worldwide phenomenon, right? Like, yeah. Very artsy, very interesting place when yeah. I showed up. Not much structure whatsoever, right? I was really yeah. one of the first people bringing more of that idea to it. And so that's why I stayed there as long as I did. Just like really felt like I wanted to make an impact for people to see that by doing programs in a really good way, people could actually mm. be freed up and do better and be thriving instead of just surviving. And mm. they were 
really coming from these roots of being artists that just survived in order to get this far with this crazy event. Shifting that to we're going to become a nonprofit and we're going to thrive under that and we can actually ask for money and do it in a really great way that benefits the world. That mm. did not happen overnight. That mm. was a long process to get that thought process there and that mindset. So I think, you know, I feel a lot of deep gratitude and I don't know, heart around like my ability to help that organization thrive. There's that part. And that was everything from bringing the correct benefits and pay structures that they had never had, you know, mm. again, survival, right? And it, yeah. you no, know, we can, you know, we can thrive. We can hire really great people and like, yeah. and it can be okay. Then going to Stitch Fix, I really was like, how can I take what I learned on the playa and mm. at Morning Man and apply yeah. that at a company? Like, I just mm. think it can work. You know, Mm. and so it was this idea of we can take, you know, just the right amount of structure, right, is very Mm. freeing to humans, which Mm. is kind of a contrarian view from Burning Man, like, oh, it's very creative and let's not be structured, right? Yeah. You know, my degree is in sociology and social sciences and human behavior. And, you know, that's what humans need, just like kids. Mm. We're all big kids, you know, we need Mm. structure in order to thrive and do really well so that we know how to be free within that. Yeah. Just the right amount of structure, not too much, not too Little. It's a little. Yeah. Um, and I learned that so deeply on the playa by watching people transform, bringing to, you know, Stitch Fix, oh, we can do things really creatively. I've seen it work, but we mm. can do it in this way that's freeing and structured. So we can add, we can kind of nudge people towards maybe a, a, a peak experience they've never had at a job, you know, mm. like doing things in a really kind of different way, adding a level of emotional intelligence, you know, yeah. adding like just really pushing people a little bit beyond what they think they could actually do, especially emotionally at a company was a, you know, a big part of my journey there, like applying yeah. that. If you think about a particular leader at Stitch Fix, is there a particular story, like no names, that comes to mind? I just love to put some like structure out and make that real for our listeners. Absolutely. I can, I think many. We created this, you know, my team and I, and then working very closely with the management team, Katrina Lake, you know, Marco uh, Wheeler, who was there as the, my CPO, created this thing called the Leadership Offsite. It was basically a day long thing that every single employee went to. It didn't matter if you were an executive or you were a junior person, you went to that and you went together. Even that was like revolutionary, right? Normally yeah. that does not happen. You don't yeah. day, you don't get to be with executives and the people running and facilitating were leaders in the company. So not my mm. team. It was actually yeah. other leaders, right? So they got to be with those leaders. They got to feel their vulnerability, the powerfulness, be, you know, talk about things that were hard, but also talk about amazing things. You know, when we were first testing it out and kind of doing it and trying it and piloting it, we had, you know, a a bunch of different people do it. One of them was a big engineering leader. He definitely came in first with this, like, what is this? This is kind of weird. And I don't know about this. Right. But as the day went on, like to see the way that he was like transformed in eight hours was striking. So his ability to be like, I don't know, I don't know, but like feel the momentum and feel that there was safety around hearing and being vulnerable and seeing what the effect it was having. And then by the end of the, like being one of our biggest facilitators, like ongoing, Mm. we would Mm. sign up to do that. And he would call this offsite a rehire moment. So we actually Mm. use that as a metric. How do we do things that rehire people? So Mm. he was like, going to this just rehired me to this company. So Mm. I think it's like that kind of experience where someone is so unexpectedly ends up transforming in that amount of time. You can actually do that in 10 minutes. I've done it. Yeah. 
you know, where I, yeah. get, I do activities that are transformative type activities and whole people's mindsets shift in 10 minutes. That's the mm. kind of experiences that people can have at work if if the leaders are all dedicated to that. And that's really what I have to say. Like that journey was, you know, again, Margot was she took a bit of a risk on me, you know, yeah. it's crazy company, right? And I didn't mm. have a lot of like the typical corporate strategic MBA, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I had all this creativity and I had a lot of drive and energy and perseverance. And she was like, that's what I want. I want that, you know, mm. and she really stood behind it. And the management team, Mike Smith and Kat Lake and Eric Colson and all the executives that were there, they were so unified and so into it. And so it took off. What are the things about leadership that still feel as true today for you as they did back when you were kicking off at Stitch Fix? And what's something that feels different? Yeah. I mean, I think that what still feels true is I'm a builder. I will mm. always be a builder. I have, a, you know, a love-hate relationship with starting from scratch. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, having moved a lot when I was young, I have a real sense of how to reinvent myself, how to how to mm. take best of what I'm doing and bring it to the next place and then add on to it. There's also things that come with that. Again, that's where the my sort of desire to have some structure, structure. and yeah. some like sameness, you know, yeah. why, like yeah. I have actually stuck at companies like a pretty decent amount of time because I like the idea of like, once I commit, I really commit with conviction. That's just who I Mm. am for everything I do. And Mm. I don't commit otherwise. When I do it, I want to do it and I want to see it through until I feel like I've done what I came here to do. That feeling will always stay with me. The fact that I love starting from nothing and seeing Mm. what's possible with a group of people, with an idea, with where we want to go, you know, and, and that's what I love about advising founders. It's just so much about like what's possible here, what's possible here, right? And you can pivot and a whole nother thing comes out, right? Yeah. Or always yeah. always a new day. So you can always shift and and build on what you already have, right? And and do something new. So I love the sense of that. And what is something new? It is shifting out of the operating and the doing every day. Mm. And that's a big shift. You know, I've done it for a long, long time. And I'm definitely a doer and an executor. You know, like mm. I know how to make shit happen. Like it's yeah. definitely my strength finders. Like yeah. I am, you know, like an executor. Arranger is my top, you know, strength. So like I love to arrange teams, things, gatherings, you know, events mm. to be the very best they can be. Right. Like yeah. just optimize for awesomeness while I'm doing this job. Right. Right, a smaller firm, and I'm more like advising full time. Plus, then yeah. looking for ideas. And how, again, once you invest, it's pay- pretty much the same. You're advising and supporting, and be successful. And it's almost a lot like recruiting a great leader, right? You're mm. kind of doing the same thing when you when you're investing in a founder. You're yeah. really and going, hmm, do I think this person has the ability to pivot? Be resilient, bring on great team members, be a good leader, know when they need to let go, be yeah. coachable. That's the things that. I'm looking for, you know, besides a great product, of course, that people yeah. and the ability to to make a big business out of it, you know, yeah. so it's the intersection of those things, you know, initialized really, really believes in that. And that's why I joined mm. our philosophy is that everyone on the investment team is a former operator or founder or both. Mm. So we all have a deep expertise in our area. And mm. there's a lot of mutual respect for everyone having mm. that expertise on the team mm. and, and pulling each other in to collaborate as needed, right? To help our founders and our, our you know companies do well. So I think being out of the executing 
And yeah. much more in the advising is both exciting and yeah. cool. And it's not all easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are lots of times I want to jump in and do, do, do. I want to like, yeah. just, let me just get in there and like see what's going on so that I can help you figure this out. You know, and I just, yeah. not their boss. Mm. I, mm. you know, we're soft advisors. We're here to support, help, say, hey, this is how I've seen it done well or not well. How can I support you to do that? We're not, you know, lording over them. That's not yeah. our style, right? We yeah. really believe in great, really believe that the founders we invest in could do it all on their own. But why would they could have some help by people that have done it in one way or another? And that's mm. really the philosophy we're coming from. It's not like, oh, we know all the things and and you sort of need us. It's kind yeah. of the opposite. Like, yeah. or you're amazing and we're just going to help you do even more greatness, right? Yeah. That's a big shift. And I knew that going into it, I'm again, I'm very motivated by personal growth and learning. So I was like, oh, this is going to be both a combination of super comfort and satisfaction with advising because I know these areas so well, but yeah. also with like, I've never been an investor and I don't know all the terms and all the things and what that looks mm. like. And so I'm going to have a huge like uphill climb and doing that part of it. And that's yeah. again, the love hate of exciting building from nothing. And also like, why do I do this to myself? Yeah. <laughs> How are you beginning to see like, oh, this is kind of going to be the cat flavor of the way this right. works? My mm. first year was really just, they'd never had anyone with this experience, really. Yeah. Like maybe a few months, right? But that was it. And yeah. it was like really having someone with experience, there was a lot of pent up demand, you know, <laughs> to get my, you know, help. And so I was doing yeah. a lot of advising, which was so satisfying. Um, yeah. And a little bit of investing on the side, you know, here and yeah. there. There was so much to do in that area. And then I, you know, uh, really decided with Jen, the president, you know, hey, seems like maybe hiring ahead of talent is probably a really important thing because there's so yeah. much advising on this. And that person can really go deep on recruiting and like building yeah. out the function and programs, you know. And so I was like, yes, great. So I did that. You know, I hired mm. Fu at the end of last year and she is incredible and amazing and has, you know, added so much more functionality. And she's not on the investing team like I am. She's yeah. Setting that up right around the talent. And so I think, you know, it's now allowed me this year to be more in the like, I'm really shifting into pure investment, yeah. which is still really advising, yeah, yeah. like I'm doing all the time, right? Yeah. You know, other than yeah. looking at bills and, and, and doing those things, that's a lot of what you're doing, right? You're meeting with your companies like, you know, every month. Yeah. And you're going to board meetings, you're doing all of these things to help them through their various things. And so I'm like really in that space of like, okay, what is it for me to be doing this? Right. And I think mm. I'm just starting to get some senses of that. And I'm excited for 2024 to really like more go like, okay, how much I want to do that, you know? Because yeah. I think it is really great to support us in having, you know, a voice, our brand as well as so aligned, of course, with initialized. So yeah, doing this podcast, right? or, you know, other people write, you know, blogs or, you know, yeah. I've helped with a bunch of the blogs, you know, around content, you know, we're doing more thought leadership and that, you know, those various areas. So, I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, really told me early on, it was earlier this year, I think it was actually, no, it was last year in January, our head of uh, content, Candy mm. came on and she did right away, like we met because I was prepping for a podcast and yeah, she was, yeah. hey, I'll prep you. And I'm amazing. Yeah. Great. You know, so she came in and she started learning about me. 
mean, she was like, what? She was like, okay, you're going to be my first blog post. Like I want mm. the whole story on you. And I was like, me, you know, yeah. I was like, amazing. And she did the most incredible, I mean, story I have ever felt like someone just really saw me, but I just was mm. so honored that they wanted to celebrate all the parts of me. It wasn't just mm. like, here's this HR person, right? Mm. Or she went, she did these startups, right? So that means yeah. she, it was yeah. like showing pictures of me on the playa in a crazy costume and yeah. being an artist and a mom and, you know, yeah. all this stuff and how I've interwoven that. And I was just like, so touched by that of just like, yeah, they really do believe in me being who I am. I think, you know, when you're first starting, you have to kind of get your feet under you and your foundation. Yeah. Well, now it's kind of like, okay, okay, cool. I've got more of that. And I'm of yeah. course, still so much more to do there. But yeah, how do I want to express myself even more? And I think, mm. you know, what I hear from a lot of founders is, wow, I'm just not used to having somebody that has this kind of background being in a pitch or being in, an, you know, the whole, you know, investment, you know, all partner meeting or whatever it is. Like, I'm not used to having someone with this kind of experience on the investing team. And it's it's really incredible. It's really amazing, mm. you know, really valuable to like understand leadership or understand the founder or understand yeah. how this business is going to work, you know, because I I obviously have been a buyer for a lot of things, a lot of enterprise SaaS, a lot of, you know, future of work tools, a yeah. lot of things in general. And I, you know, so I can really speak from that place too. And I do that a lot as a board member on various companies. I think it's like coming from this, you know, a knowledge base, bringing yeah. that in and like combining that with, you know, sort of deep, like code level understanding of humans, or like yeah. the human code of people, you know, and mm. understanding like, you know, when I work with some of our partners where there's like maybe something really challenging going on with, you know, a yeah. or something, uh, you know, I'm like, just start talking to me. Like, I can tell you, and I'm sure you feel this way too, Thomas. Like, give me five minutes. I'll tell you what's going on. Yeah. I can tell you by the tone of voice, by your body yeah. language. I can tell you about what you're not saying, by what you are saying. Mm. I can see what's happening here and I can help you. Right. Mm. And, and to other people, that's just like, I know some a, alien language, Which, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Right? <laughs> but to me, it's like completely like inside of me. Right. Whereas yeah. feels stuff, I'm still trying to get, you know? And so it's like, yeah, I'm going to add to that. But I think initialized thoughts is like all that other experience, you can't teach that. It's mm. just from experience of having experience over and over and over interesting mm. situations with humans. And boy, have <laughs> I seen those. Burning man alone. I will Burning never man alone. the things I saw there. So like I have seen people at every kind of place in their life. You add the other two, you know, sort of startup journeys from like early employee to skyrocket IPO and Stitch Fix. I mean, I've seen it all in a lot of ways. You know, it's just yeah. so many things to pull from. And you can't learn that from a class. What was a significant cultural or leadership lesson that you feel like you learned from your time at Burning Man? I think people's perception of the playa, right? Is it this sort of crazy, like everybody's free form and do whatever, yeah. so creative. And that is true, but it is really because it is structured the same way reliably every year. And people mm. count on that structure and it's very simple and easy mm. to understand. And there are 10 mm. principles that we live by. That's it, right? Mm. Yes, there's law enforcement out there. So of course you have to abide by the law, but like yeah. otherwise that's it. Whereas yeah. lots of things like that, especially it would be very controlled, right? Controlled, yeah. controlled. You can be here and you can do this here. Yeah. Right? yeah. Burning Man is like, it's reliably structured. Like it has this many streets and it's, it's shaped like yeah. this. 
it happens from this day to this day. And the man burns on, you know, Saturday and then the temple burns on Sunday and the streets yeah. out like this. So like you just go up and you're like, I know this. And I know mm. how to be freer because I know how to push things and I know how to do things. And I just really felt like that's not what people think about when they think about Burning Man. Mm. And and the company themselves wasn't thinking about that. When they would get mm. back to the office, they had chaos, you know, and it's like, <laughs> wait, do you not see how simple and structured and like great this is? Yeah. <laughs> how it works so well. And people yeah. are free and they actually acculturate and do the right thing. And they're great citizens and they help each other and all this stuff happens. Like we need to take that idea and like bring it, but in a way that mm. is freeing, not controlling. This idea of how do you bring kind of the two parts of me in a way, reformed, curious openness to life with a structure that makes you feel safe and secure and that you know how you're going to be treated and how things will be, right? Mm. There's something mm. I feel like as someone who has managed and built many large teams, I think if I have to distill my management philosophy down into like one thing, it's yeah. like hold people accountable with compassion and clarity. People want to be held accountable to something that they they know they're doing their best, but with kindness and compassion and clarity, mm. not confusion. Just mm. hold people accountable with compassion and clarity and like, you're good. What are some of the technologies or trends that you as an investor find yourself most interested in right now? Yeah, I think it's, you know, obviously a very interesting time with the markets being the way that they have with AI yeah. you know, completely exploding and who knows where it is now. Yeah. Right? I just feel like day to day, we don't even know. Yeah. It's like, it was everything. And now I feel like nobody even wants to hear about it. Like, is it going to go the way of NFTs? Like, I don't know. It's so interesting, you know, because obviously it's going to become a part of our life more and more and more. It's going to be how we work more and more and more. Yeah. You know, there's an interesting spot I've been talking to, you know, a bunch of PTP advisors and like Aaron at, you know, Semperverans and just like Mm. getting, you know, a sense of like, how are people thinking about these things? We had this huge explosion around future of work and HR tech in COVID. Obvious reasons, right? We overnight had to get everything to work at home. So there was this massive investment in that area. I think one of the reasons why Initialize brought me on, wow, this is a whole area we don't have anybody with any experience in, you know, some enterprise SaaS. We want that too. And I think like anything, there's some correction, right? It's like now mm. coming back to COVID, there was a lot of investment. I feel like there's always going to be investment in work. I feel like there's a little bit of a correction or a lull around like, yeah. oh, what will we now approach this next way, right? Yeah. And how are we going to use generative AI? And mm. you know, what's going to be the best way, best tools to invest in? Who's going to do it the best way? Who's going to win out in these categories, right? Because there's now yeah. so much noise in this area. So I think looking at things that are where it's not just a flash in the pan and there's some mm. real expertise, like maybe over several years, even before COVID, like, oh, mm. I have this idea and I've seen this is sort of how people are working and, and COVID mm. even kind of strengthened that, you know, yeah. going more towards this like flexibility and how people want to work. Yeah. We see Gen Z, right? Pushing back saying, I don't want to work the way I've seen my parents and grandparents work. I want to do it more holistically for my mental health, you know, and things like that, expecting so much more from employers around how I show up to work and who I can be at work and how my employer, you know, responds to the world and to to 
to me, you know? I'm looking at things like that. It seems like really in this this war on how we're going to work, I really mm. feel like hybrid is going to to win out in one way or another. I don't think we're ever going to go back to everything's going to be in the office. Companies in this space that can win are going to use AI in a way that strengthens a point of view they've already established around mm, mm. that will help hybrid work. And it already was, right? We're yeah. So many companies are global. It's nothing new in a way. Yeah. It's, it's from home instead of the London office, right? It's, it's yeah. Like, yeah. It's still that. It's still hybrid work. It's still, I'm not all sitting in one location. What is something that you believe is critical to being a successful early stage founder that you just wish it was easier for other people to understand? When we, you know, I know Tiffany, you know, our head of talent does a lot of work on helping candidates to understand if being at a startup is the right thing for them. A different kind of thing if you haven't been there. It's good to know, you know, understand that. And I think it goes back to that idea of like, are you a builder or are you a maintainer? Right. And Mm. neither one's bad or good. Yeah. What's your style? Like to build on something that was already there and kind of scale it? Or do you want to kind of build from nothing? And so I think a founder of startup has to believe that they want to build from nothing. And Mm. they're willing to not be married to their one idea the whole entire time. Willing to be coachable, that they're willing to get feedback about themselves, that they're willing to see what they could be doing better and how the company could be more successful and letting Mm. go, letting go, letting go. It's like kind of having a baby. It's just like a parent. You have to let go every day. Let go a little bit more as your kid grows up. And the company is the same way. The more you hold on with controlled fists, the worse, right? It it Mm. can't flourish then, just like a a person. Can you be in that perfect balance of being the leader, right? We just be a leader and show up and be the one. Yes, it is you. (laughs) Like, don't look behind you. You are the one, right? At the same time, can you also get out of your own way and get out of your people's way? And like, know that, again, that's the best way for people to work. They feel safe secure. They know someone has things, right? Mm. But they also know they can be free and that they are trusted and that they can have agency to figure things out in creative ways and that they'll be trusted to check back in. Thinking of three people, Kat at 10 years old, Kat graduating high school, and Kat just kicking off her career. (laughs) What piece of advice would Kat today want to give each of those three women? I feel like it kind of goes back to that idea of authenticity. And Mm. knowing that, like having a belief and a faith around that, being in your, your, your authenticity, being open, right, to learning that that combination that you can't go wrong with that. And Mm. I think I worry, worried a lot more than I needed to. Mm. I'll do, you know, that mm. like I'm not doing it right, or I don't have all the answers, or my truth is not the truth, or mm. you know, I can't express myself here because that won't be accepted, or whatever those things are. What I learn and I see other humans learn over and over again is that you can. If you're in your truth and it's not going well somewhere, it's probably not your people. We don't learn in comfort, in discomfort. We learn in breakdowns and challenges and messiness. And I mean, look at giving birth. Like that is a messy thing, but Mm. it is an amazing transformation, right? It is something that happens where you're like, wow, a whole new being is here. And that's kind of like what it is when somebody's evolving to their next thing, right? It's not all perfectly buttoned up and looks really great. In fact, it's quite the opposite. But we like get into this thing of like, it's not okay for it to be messy and whatever all those things are, because we don't do a lot of support around that, right? But that's where I feel community, you know, with me, that's the thread, right? It's community. 
it's cultivating those people in your life that you are giving back and forth to each other. Family, chosen family, beautiful friends. I have so much community in my life and I swear by community. It's my, it's my top thing for mm. me. It, you know, I can give to it in infinite amounts and it gives back to me in infinite amounts because we don't know ourselves until we're reflected back from other people. You can mm. only know yourself so much. You need reflection back. And that's part of being yeah. is having that. Nothing brings people's strengths to life, like hearing from the people who get to experience those strengths most closely. On this week's Spoken Stories, I got to talk to five people who sit very close in Kat Steinmetz's orbit and ask them all one simple question. What is Kat's superpower? I heard from Scott Moss, a principal at Initialized VC, Crystalline Dillon, Director of People and Culture at Salt Venture Group, Amy Lavoie, Chief People Officer at Torch.io, Philip Rosedale, founder at Second Life, and Daniel Sherman, Head of Portfolio PR at Initialized Capital. Here's what they each had to say about Kat. Kat's superpower is her innate ability to understand people at a level that most can't, even if given a small minute information about them. I can't tell you how many times I've taken a pitch with Kat just to receive small details on the founder because they skimp over the details and then walk away and have a conversation with her. And she kind of just can pick up their personality, their dynamics and what it might be to work with this person. I think the Kat's superpower is her ability to love and believe in people in such a powerful way that it inspires them to rise into increasingly more amazing versions of themselves, more capable, more courageous, more loving, more visionary, more anything that they want to be. To have someone who believes in you that strongly, that would be why we call her the catalyst. The superpower I so appreciate in Kat is twofold. First, it's her infectious energy and positivity that just makes you feel confident you can work through any tough problem. And then second, it's her ability to translate that energy into a case that makes sense for the business. This is really hard to do, but Kat can help everyone in the boardroom see that investing in your people doesn't just feel good, it is good for business. I'd say Kat's superpower is her ability to assess people instantly and then compassionately work with them using her assessments. So for example, I've seen Kat walk into a room and immediately know who in a group of people she'd never met was going to be difficult to work with. And then, you know, be able to like, come over and tell me that that's her superpower. The truth is it's hard for me to identify Kat's superpower because I'm not sure what isn't her superpower. I mean, Kat has lived 30 lifetimes in one. She's had so many iterations of herself, done so many incredible things. And everywhere she goes, she just connects with people on such a deep level. And I would say it just boils down to Kat knows how to live life right. And I think she's an example for all of us of how beautiful life can be. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. As I reflect on my conversation with Kat, I'm struck by how again and again, when given the option between creativity and structure, freedom and order, Kat always said both. 
She didn't accept the rigid boxes of who she was supposed to be or where she could go, and instead has blended her options together into a career that is uniquely hers, and that has allowed her to have a superpower that is uniquely hers as well. And my hope for you this week is that when you are faced with false binaries in your professional life or in your personal, like Kat, you'd be inspired to reject them, to choose both when it feels like it serves you, and explore the beauty that might come from there. As always, I'm Thomas Agema, and I'll see you next week.